5: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Some 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: Winner, winner, chicken dinner.
4: This is Straight of Vegas. Straight
3: out of Vegas.
4: With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell.
2: Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
4: Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto.
0: Well, I'd like to thank the Brooklyn Nets for participating in the 2021 NBA season. Please pick up your parting gift on the way out. And in about five minutes, I'll reiterate what I've been saying for the last three months, the three reasons why I never believed they'd win the championship this year. I don't want to hear a damn thing about injuries. Not gloating, by the way, just the facts, ma'am. By the way, hashtag major respect to Kevin Durant. The guy did everything he humanly could. Played 53 minutes tonight scored 48 points look what he did in game five and very graciously made his way to the bucks bench and congratulated his uh, opponent after what had to be a gut-wrenching game seven loss by the way how about when the clippers were down 25 last night what if i would have told you that in in in-game betting you could have got the clippers at 20 to 1 that means for a hundred dollars you would have brought back two thousand. hold that thought as i've said many times before Sports are the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. That's why this time of year is so much fun. And in a world of questions, we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. On that note, welcome back to another edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, I will also revisit the newly proposed 12-team college playoff format that was discussed this week, What does it all mean, Pee-wee? Why did they uh, blow right past eight teams and straight to 12? What would the brackets have looked like if the format were in place last season? How will all this affect the betting markets? We'll tackle this and much more. And in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by our Fox Sports Radio teammate, Aaron Torres. It's time to give credit where credit is due. Two months ago, Aaron surmised that Chris Paul, not Nicole Jokic, was the real MVP, and now I would have to say CP3 is validating that claim. After Bruin Finley's update, we'll talk about the latest stories swirling around Las Vegas and check in with the number 5 out of 15 in our series of 15 NFL scheduling quirks for the 2021 season. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports and Mackenzie Rivers to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you only find on this show – He's done some interesting research on how load management may be hurting teams. That when you actually are active down the stretch, you have a better chance for greater performance and less chance for injury. He's got some interesting takes on that. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, we want people to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Caesar Maniago, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right. The NBA playoffs have been sensational. I've enjoyed them immensely. I don't miss LeBron any more than Madonna misses having a boyfriend. These games are hotly contested. They've gone down to the wire. You've ha- We've had to really sort of expect the unexpected and... When you look at what happened last night in the Clippers game, and I give top credit to Ty Lue, the Clippers prior to last night were 0-9 in opportunities to win a closeout game that would have put them into the conference finals, something the Clippers hadn't done in 50 years. By the way, they lost those games by an average of 15 points. Enter Ty Lue; he was 12-1 in those same types of games, and now don't look now, but the Clippers are this close to the NBA Finals. Give them a lot of credit. I think the tide really started to turn in Game 5 when Ty Lu shifted up his defense, pressured Donovan Mitchell, clogged the lane, very much create difficulty for Donovan Mitchell. And he uh, not only made it hard for Mitchell to get his points, he made it hard for him to even get the ball in his hands. The denials were, were pretty impressive. Uh, the Clippers... Uh, They're interesting, and they're catching five points against Phoenix on Monday, and don't be surprised if the Clippers get in there and steal a win because without Chris Paul, I'm not quite sure how Phoenix will handle this Clipper team. They've proven to me they actually have depth, and they actually can play defense. They're the number four defense, by the way. They're the highest-ranked defense left in this tournament, and they've got confidence, and they're pretty well coached. So hold that thought. Now, by the way... Let's give some credit to Phoenix, too, because they're 8-2 and two in these playoffs so far. And if you want to get a glimpse of how dominant they've really been, uh, in the games they've won, they've led by double digits 58% of the time. And they're the only team to take at least a 20-point lead or more in five straight games during these playoffs. No one's done that since Jordan's Bulls don't go to sleep on the Phoenix Suns. I didn't think you would. All right, we're quickly on the Brooklyn Nets I've been saying it all along. I've been on other shows. I've filled in on other shows. And during my tenure here on Straight Out of Vegas, all the way back since the beginning, I never believed you could just put these three guys together and magically, voila, you would become the Harlem Globetrotters and swoop down and win the NBA championship. I'm not bashing them. Just call it how I see it. And one of the things I said was that in the last 40 years, 36 NBA champions have, been, have featured a top 10 defense, 22 have featured a top Five defense if you're scoring at home and i know you are well the nets they were a number 22 defense and the only outliers since the year 2000 to buck that trend were the 2001 los angeles lakers you had a couple guys named kobe and Shaq, and they'd already won before so you've got a situation where i always question brooklyn's defense uh they're ranked 22nd i always question their depth how do, you, how do you get to a game seven and I have zero bench points? Zero bench points. And by the way, people are saying, well, they, they were hurt. Okay, I, I covered that succinctly for months. In case you hadn't noticed, the big three played in, I think, eight or ten games during the regular season. And during the regular season, Kyrie Irving missed a handful of games uh, for various small injuries and then for personal reasons okay but all he had he was nicked up as well. Kevin Durant missed over a month of the regular season with a hamstring strain and he actually had a couple of coronavirus contact tracing related absences and remember he's you know 18 months or whatever removed from that terrible Achilles injury but boy did he look terrific and without him I don't even know if they'd have gotten this far. And then you had a situation where James Harden also missed over a month with a hamstring strain before we turned into the lineup with two games in the regular season. And then that hamstring strain came back to haunt him. Add it all up, and it was not in the cards. It just wasn't in the cards. So I, I don't want to belabor it. Uh, I'm just uh, glad that I stuck to my guns. And I don't care if Irving would have played. It would have been something else. I can't prove that. It's an esoteric thing. I just don't think uh, they would have won it. Tomorrow, a great Game 7, and Mackenzie and I will probably break that down a little bit later in the show. Interesting, you've really got to give the Atlanta Hawks a hell of a lot of credit. 65% of the tickets are on the Hawks tomorrow, and Philly is minus 7. Uh, their money line on Philly is minus 300. That gives them about a 76% chance to win. They should win. They're 33-9 and nine at home this year. Atlanta is only 20-22 and 22 on the road. But the Hawks, they're 46-36 and 36 as a dog. So if you uh, are an action junkie and you need some action on that game, fine. If you want to put pizza money, you might look to the dog. I will not be involved in that game tomorrow. I may fire on the under, but I do like the Clippers on Tuesday. All right, I want to circle back to a topic that you're going to be hearing a lot about between now and the end of the year, and that is the proposal to expand the college football playoff to 12 teams. It's moving forward in terms of meetings, information gathering, and progress. Uh, The CFP Management Committee met on Friday to present the concept to 11 university presidents and chancellors who will actually have the ultimate authority over the format when they meet again in Dallas coming up the management committee, which is made up of 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbeck. Well, they're going to ask the presidents and chancellors to authorize the solicitation quote of feedback and begin the feasibility assessments of these new formats. Now, the current playoff iteration is entering the eighth season of a 12-year contract that runs through 2025. And the bottom line is... uh, it's been reiterated that the playoff will not change this season or next. It could happen as early as the 2023 season. And they haven't really talked a lot about the timing of the implementation, more about the structure, which I want to dive into here for just a minute. Uh, and by the way, uh, I don't think they're going to have a decision on this either before January 1st. So keep an eye on it. I think it's coming down the pike. Uh And I do think that inevitably it's going to happen for the simple reason that the year that there were no college athletics for all intents and purposes as we know them, there may have been some games, but they're without fans. Multiple sports were canceled. Multiple leagues canceled their sports. That created a hell of a financial catastrophe for multiple athletic departments. And so what this new TV opportunity would be for the college football playoff Format with 12 teams would create a tremendous amount of revenue. Tremendous amount. Billions with a B. And that would go a long way in making up for COVID. Because you'd now be broadcasting 11 games. 11 playoff games instead of three. And the way it's going to break down, they will expand to a 12-team tournament. There will be six automatic bids and six at-large bids. For me, this makes the conference championship meaningful It makes the regular season more meaningful. Strength of schedule will be taken into consideration, and it would become a meritocracy because under the proposal for a 12-team format, you'd have the four highest conference champions. They'd be seated one through four, and they'd get a first-round bye. Teams five through 12 would play each other in the first round on the home field of the higher-ranked team. That's not a bad thing. They're not all neutral field games. The quarterfinals and semifinals will be played in bowl games and the national championship game would be, you know, still at a neutral site. Here's the thing. The practical effect of this new format will be, they surmise that with still four or five weeks to go in the season, there'll be at least 25 or 30 teams that will have a legitimate claim and a real practical opportunity to make it to the postseason, I don't know how that can be a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Now, some people have, you know, barked at the fact that why the hell do you go from four straight to 12 and pass through eight? So how did a 12-team model become the presumptive favorite? Okay, let me start with at-large bids. In the current four-team college football playoff model, all four teams are essentially at-large. In a majority of the 18 models that have been projected, there'd likely be five or six automatic bids. That means a decrease in at-large bids, which would not be of much interest to the SEC and certainly would not be to Notre Dame, which could perceive the expanded playoff as having less access for them. By the way, the Pac-12 and the entire group of five to counter, they, I don't think, would be interested in expansion without some type of automatic bid. You've got to make your conference championship relevant i've always said that i never liked the fact either that although there are five power conferences only four teams got in that never made sense to me another snag that makes some uncomfortable with eight teams is who'd get left out if there are six automatic bids for example a team ranked number four or number five could theoretically be left out and a team ranked number 18 for example could actually make the field that scenario makes a lot of folks uncomfortable now look there are a lot of complex issues there are a lot more moving parts on this and there are you know elements that will have to do with the betting markets in Las Vegas and the financial aspects and you know many other sort of idiosyncrasies having to do with teams being willing to schedule tough non-conference opponents like this year Washington plays Michigan and Wisconsin I believe plays LSU etc etc i may be wrong in that but there are several major conference teams power conference teams that will play each other and might that make you know a fear of an early season loss blemish your record no because you come back and win your conference championship you're getting in most likely and also uh the committee is going to take into consideration uh you know strength of schedule I'm going to report on this as I find out more about it. And there's just simply, I could literally do the whole show on this subject tonight. We've got too much else to get to. But hold that thought because we are going to be talking about this. This is an idea whose time has come. I don't think anybody's particularly happy with the current playoff format, although we have come a long way, right? No one really liked the BCS. And remember back in the day when everybody would play and then on January 2nd, you get a group of sports writers in a room who never wore a jock and they'd all light up their Camel non-filters and have a couple of creamed immense and vote on who won the damn thing? Yeah, well, we've come a long way. It's better. All right, straight ahead. We're going to talk to Aaron Torres. He made a prediction two months ago about who should be the NBA MVP. And frankly, the person he... Mention, I think has warranted Aaron's, uh, you know, belief in him and certainly has had quite a a postseason and he's on the precipice of getting his team into the NBA Finals for the first time. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes twenty twenty one. Nielsen report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas. The great Bernie Frado, folks.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
5: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
4: This is Uncanny USA.
0: We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Let's get right to our guest. You hear him on every Saturday night, 8 to 11 Pacific, alongside Arnie Spanier. And you'll hear him tomorrow night as he sits in for Chris Plank with Arnie Spanier. And that would be Aaron Torres. Aaron, thanks for uh, staying up late, buddy
6: uh bernie thank you for having me first of all happy father's day i know it's still not technically in vegas father's day but in the east uh central and uh, mountain time zones it's father's day so happy father's day to you my man thank you for having me
0: thank you very much i want to give credit where credit is due aaron i can't remember a year when nba mvp playoff talk not only started to heat up since at the beginning of the season you had multiple players campaigning for themselves lebron steph Curry. Nicole Yoka ended up winning the award, and he became the odds-on favorite. But you really carried the torch for Chris Paul. And obviously, I don't know how anybody can argue with that, even though he didn't win it. Two things. What are the factors you considered in in believing that it should have been Chris Paul, even going back to late March? And do you think the award now should be given after the entire season is over as opposed to just the regular season?
6: So. I think both of my answers to those questions are one and the same. I don't think it should be given after the postseason, um, but I do think, and this is the biggest reason why I felt like uh, Chris Paul w- should have been the winner, and he wasn't even considered. I think he finished in fifth or sixth place, is the word value is in most valuable player. And my frustration with the award, and it's funny, I talked about this with Chris Plank last week, and he said, you know, just people don't get fired up about the NBA MVP, but – What I think has happened in this analytics era is we just look at the guy that has the coolest stats at the end of the year. We did it with Giannis last year when LeBron should have been the MVP because he was more valuable to his team. And when you look at Chris Paul, I understand Jokic didn't have Jamal Murray for a portion of the season, but Jamal Murray played most of the season. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. Chris Paul comes to Phoenix. They haven't made the playoffs in a decade. They have the number two seed. To me, it was just such a no-brainer, and it's such a shame that there is so much groupthink in the NBA media because there was no doubt in my mind that Chris Paul deserved to be MVP this year.
0: So having said that, uh, he will not be on the floor tomorrow, but I gave some numbers earlier in the show about how dominant Phoenix has been. Uh, Could that be the make or break for, say, game one by not having Chris Paul on the floor?
6: Yeah, well, he, Arnie, Arnie Spanier and I talked about this on the show before uh, you came on, Bernie, and I, I think it's just idiotic that, that Chris Paul is being punished because all reports are that he was vaccinated. We don't know for sure because of HIPAA, um, and, I, and I just believe that you know the whole point of getting vaccinated was to get the world back to normal, and Chris Paul did his part, and I don't know why we're protecting players that have chosen not to get vaccinated. With that said, I don't, I don't know how it can impact the game, and I know the Suns have been off for a while, and I know all that, but in weirdly, I I do think that even if Chris Paul was playing, I think the quick turnaround is a help for the Clippers. I mean, they're playing confident now. They obviously – Yeah, like we saw Terrence Mann last night, Reggie Jackson the last two games. I think that confidence rolls over. I I like the Clippers tomorrow. Um, And I just say even even with Chris Paul, I would have been concerned. But without him, I definitely like the Clippers.
0: Talking with Aaron Torres. You hear him every Saturday night with Arnie Spanier. 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific. You'll hear him again tomorrow night, 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific with Arnie, as he'll be sitting in for Chris Plank. Let's switch gears real quickly, Aaron, because I... I'm hearing rumors from people I trust that John Calipari is now open to returning to the NBA, and to me, that's a sure sign. You see Roy Williams depart, Mike Krzyzewski can repart, but not after, of course, taking his goodwill, uh, you know, his goodbye tour, his ego-driven goodbye. <laughs> a lot of goodbye. rocking
6: chairs being handed out next yeah, year.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of bugged by that, but in all seriousness, I, I, do the Calipari rumors have merit, and, and is this, Aaron, kind of an indicator that college coaches aren't particularly happy about the current state of college basketball in the transfer portal
6: so what what i would say is a couple things um you know i don't believe cal will leave this off season uh for people who don't follow college basketball day to day and i don't blame you if you don't completely revamped his his roster completely revamped his staff brought back one of his biggest confidants orlando antigua who was a longtime assistant this off season so i don't think he's going anywhere this year but my argument from the beginning and i started hearing this about november december when the nfl and college football coaching carousels picked up is that the combination of name-image likeness and the combination of the transfer portal, the guys that have legitimate options are going to look at them. And so, in some cases, it's going to be a move to the professional ranks. Urban Meyer, people forget. Texas wanted Urban Meyer. And he said, I, I, "I don't. I don't know that I want to be in college football anymore." Um, you know, obviously, you talked about Roy Williams. You talked about Mike Shapeshsky, John Calipari, uh, Ryan Day. I believe in the future probably will consider because ultimately, what you have to think about is this burn. And I'll try to make it quick. Is the idea that college sports now? in the recruiting pitch meeting that you have with the parents, you're not just selling the English department or the chemistry department. You're probably realistically going to have an agent in there saying, well, what can you get me? Name, image, likeness. Uh, you know, what, what kind of car dealership? What kind of this? What kind of that? And so when you factor that in with the transfer stuff that you mentioned, players can now leave every single year. I know people working at midnight on a Saturday don't want to feel sorry for these uh, $5 million coaches. But coaches are basically looking at it saying, if I got to deal with agents and I got to deal with free agency every year and re-recruiting my roster, I'm just going to go to the pros where I got somebody to deal with that stuff for me. It's called the general manager, and I'll go ahead and just focus on coaching my team. And so I think the guys that have legitimate options, again, John Calipari, maybe Ryan Day, maybe Lincoln Riley. I think that's going to be a more appealing option going forward than it maybe has been over the last decade or so.
0: It's got to be incredibly difficult to recruit when you know that you bring in a roster and the kids you have this year you're trying to develop, they may be one and done whether you're any good or not, and that's got to start to take its toll.
6: Well, I'll give you an example. I, I was talking about this when Coach K retired. So this year, that you know, listen, it's one thing to recruit guys. They perform well. They go on to the professional ranks. That's something that happens. But – Think about Coach K. Goes into the he had uh, three players transfer out of his program this year. One of them, let's just use this kid as an example, transferred to Texas A&M. Okay, and so imagine being Coach K. You spend two or three years recruiting a kid. You're flying all over the country to his games, going to his high school, waking up early, going to his practices. You tell him, Hey, look, you're not a one and done guy. You're going to be here a few years. But I've 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 seen guys like you, and if I don't think you're good enough to play in the NBA, I wouldn't recruit you to Duke. It might not happen overnight, but we'll get you there. And then a year later he doesn't want to play. he doesn't play as much as he wants and he transfers to Texas A&M. Imagine being coach K and being 74 years old and having to try to convince kids the value of staying at Duke, a great educational opportunity, uh, and playing for maybe the greatest coach of all time and you got kids leaving to go to Texas A&M and Ole Miss. And so I, I it, re-recruiting your roster like that, like people say, oh, the transfer portal is a uh, college sports free agency. No, it's not, Bernie. You know why? Because in the pros, not everyone is a free agent every single off season. And so the, 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 what the, the idea of having to re-recruit your roster every single year, it's going to wear on these guys. I'm just telling you. And, and there's a lot of unintended consequences when you put in rules like this. And this is certainly one
0: of them. Really good stuff, Aaron. I wish we had more time, but you bring up a great point. You don't want these schools to simply become a way station for these individual freelance athletes to set up their next best opportunity, whatever that may be. Aaron, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a good show tomorrow night. All right, Bernie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That is Aaron Torres. You hear him every Saturday night here on Fox Sports Radio, 8 to 11 p.m. with Arnie Spanier, and you'll hear him again tomorrow night at 8 to 11 p.m. Derek Carr said some things this week. We've got some interesting scheduling quirks. By the way, you might even be interested in some new feast or famine NFL props. Those are all things doing in Vegas this week that we're going to get to. But first... Well, let's go to the man. In addition to lighting up the airwaves here at Fox Sports Radio, he moonlights as a bouncer in a trampoline park. See what I did there? It's Brian Finley with the latest. I'm usually the one working in a ball pit at a
7: Chuck E. Cheese. The Bucks <laughs> humiliate and emasculate the once indestructible Nets 115-111 in overtime in Game 7 to book reservations for the Eastern Conference Finals. Giannis Antetokounmpo multitasking with 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 5 assists. Kevin Durant dumps 48 points, most in a playoff Game 7. James Harden with a hamstring issue, played all 53 minutes, rounding up 22 points, with just going 2 of 10 from long range. Afterwards, Nets head coach Steve Nash thinking along the lines of a moral victory. What BG gave us,
3: you know, Kevin's just, I don't know what more Kevin could do. It's just out of this world. And you could say that for all our guys at a different part of the season, gave us something and just really, really proud of the group. And, and uh, I hurt for them more than anything.
7: Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard will not play in Sunday's Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals between the Clippers and Suns. Paul, sidelined because of a COVID-19-related matter, and Leonard is nursing a knee issue. Russell Henley, Louis Ustazen, and Mackenzie Hughes are the triumvirate atop the leaderboard at Golf's U.S. Open, all at 5-under overall, heading into Sunday's final round. Bryson DeChambeau is two shots off the pace, so is Rory McIlroy. On the ice, the Islanders hoodwink the Lightning to even the Stanley Cup semifinals at 2 games. In baseball, the Diamondbacks fade to a 16th straight loss after shriveling up against the Dodgers 9-3. to Walker Beeler had his no-hitter vanish in the 8th inning as Arizona finally was able to muster up some hits. Shohei Otani hits a home run as the Angels kick aside the Tigers 8-3. to The Mariners outplay the Rays 6-5 to in 10 innings as J.P. Crawford poked a grand slam and the Padres roast the Reds 7-5 to despite Fernando Tatis Jr. coming out of the game as he reaggravated his shoulder injury, with that, let's send it back to a man who is the number one option on the buffet line
0: in Vegas for his sports betting insights. It's Bernie Fratto, ah, uh, the Silver Tongue Devil, Bruin Finley. Those are the dulcet tones of the Silver Tongue Devil, Bruin Finley. That's the Department of Redundancy Department. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing. Because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com/slash-yes. 2021 Nielsen report. Limitations apply. The Las Vegas Raiders had their mini camp this week, and it's been reported that Derek Carr made a statement that, frankly, made me turn my head. He said Derek Carr said he would rather retire than accept being traded. Quote, I'd probably quit football if I had to play for someone else, Carr said. I'm a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. I'd rather go down with the ship. You know what I'm saying. If I have to, end quote. He, Derek also went on to talk about being that old school mentality. You play for one team and that's it. Oh, don't tell that to Joe Montana or Joe Namath or... I digress in his mind he wants to fulfill his contract he's committed to it he, he, he you know what I believe him okay Derek Carr is a good person he he came from a small town in Fresno a great yeah, great place to be from I, I, a lot of good athletes come out of there good values. His dad worked in the car business his mom was a was a teacher I believe there the whole family was very involved in the church and so it's not like they grew up. Uh, in this family where he had opulent tastes and, uh, you know, had a delusion of grandeur. He's a very humble, down-to-earth guy. Be that as it may, Carr did sign a five-year, $125 million extension in June of 2017, which briefly made him the highest-paid player in the history of the NFL. However, the Carr, you know, <laughs> Jared Carr has not really won over all of his critics, for lack of a better term. He's got a career record of forty-seven and sixty-three. As a matter of fact, Carr's sixty-three losses are the most by a quarterback in his first seven NFL seasons. But this is not about Derek Carr. It's more about the state of the state. And people keep talking about would you know, would the would the Raiders want to trade for Aaron Rodgers? I don't think they want him, by the way. Uh, he's got probably two years left. I don't know who the Raiders would have in capital to give up to the Packers, maybe draft capital. I don't know whether Packers would want draft picks. They're close to winning this year, and it's been well documented. The Raiders' issues are on defense, not on offense. So thought it was an interesting statement by Derek Carr. If he were, in fact, ever traded to another team, I'd be curious to see if he does follow through and retire. Uh, when I started this Several weeks ago, there were about 15 weeks until NFL kickoff. I think we're now into the fifth of 15, what I would call scheduling quirks. Maybe it's not a quirk per se, but that's the descriptive term I've elected to use, so I've got to roll with it. Presuming Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers, he and Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson will meet head-to-head for the first time. Now, it won't be till week 15, and now this also marks the eighth time uh, that two previous NFL MVPs, remember, Rodgers won it in 2020, Lamar Jackson won it in 2019, uh, would face off during the regular season since 2010. So there's that. And by the way, I think Baltimore's going to have a very good team this year. Speaking of who good teams uh, are being, I, I, let me put it this way. Speaking of who Las Vegas is recognizing, as two teams that are going to be very good. We talked about this earlier, the Chiefs' win total, 12.5. I would certainly bet the over. I think they can go 13-4. and four. It's a 17-game season. They went 14-2 last year. I know teams that lose the Super Bowl the following season don't particularly fare. Well, always, I'm going to make an exception here that uh, the Chiefs are going to be tremendous. By the way, they've gone over their season win total uh, eight straight years in a row. That's not why I brought this subject up. There's a new there's a new prop that the, the books have rolled out. It's called the Feast or Famine NFL prop. And if you think the Chiefs go 17-0 this year, you can get them at 40 to one. Now, why would someone do that? You know what? You can put $20 down. You can put $200 down. You can put $2,000 down. And you've got a bankroll there that you can hedge against, so you can start to fade the Chiefs if they go undefeated, and you lock in your profits. is something maybe we'll explain in a later show. If you think the Chiefs are going to go to the Super Bowl, you can get them at five to one. The Tampa Bay Bucks, if you think they can go 17 and 0, you can get them at 50 to one. Currently, they're plus 650 to get to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind seeing a Chiefs Tampa Bay uh, rematch. We'll see. It's a long way to go. How about my beloved Detroit Lions? And by the way, the last year I covered the Lions, 2008, the inimitable Rod Marinelli, they went 0-16 that year. Well, the odds for the Lions to go 0-17, if you're feeling saucy and you want to put some money down, you get the Lions at 25-1. to 1. And if you uh, have been into Grandpa's cough syrup uh, without him knowing about it, and you think the Lions are going to the Super Bowl, well, you can get them at 150-1. to 1. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans... Uh, it looks to be that they're in for a rough patch this year as well. Uh, you can get them at 25-1 to 1 to go 0-17, 250-1 to, to go to the Super Bowl. So there you have it. Plenty of ways for the whole family to get down, whether or not you're betting individual games, you're involved in in-game betting, you're betting totals. Prop bets continue to be the rage here in Las Vegas. We had Chuck Esposito on uh, last Sunday night when I was hosting, we are sitting in for Jonas and Brady and we uh, with Coutinho Mobley, and uh, Chuck w- with Sunset Station put out the prop. Will Tim Tebow score more or less over under two and a half touchdowns? The max bet was 2,000. They've got about an equal number of action on both sides, and the handle's been astronomical. To give that some perspective, they put out a match Stafford prop in March. Will Stafford throw over or under 28 and a half touchdown passes. They got more action on the Tim Tebow prop in three days than they got on the Matt Stafford prop in three months. So there is that coming up. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Time for Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers i'm bernie fratto we're coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios this is the pregame show you always wanted so don't go away you're listening to straight out of vegas
6: one of the best in the business bernie fratto
2: i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
0: We are back on, straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further tonight, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, of course, the Dulce Tones, the Golden Pipes, of Bruin Finley on the updates, Chris Perfett turning all the dials, and Bo Benson also keeping us glued together. The guys do a great job. It's not just this hour that we need their assistance. It's during the week. There's always something coming up. So it's the preparation before the show that gets us to the show. And the guys back in L.A. do a great job. All right. It's that time of week. You don't know me love McKinley without him. Time for Mackinac Sports with McKenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, I thought you had an interesting observation having to do with, and perhaps it was a response to LeBron's comments, having to do with this whole load management thing is Potentially having the reverse effect.
3: First of all, I have to give credit to a great writer podcaster, Zach Lowe. He made a great point because he's talking about all this debate about the NF, uh, NBA injuries, and the NBA is saying there isn't an increase in injuries. If you look at it from last year, it's only marginal. It's within the you know standard deviation. It's you know not significant. Zach Lowe's like, yay. Okay, last year was a ton of injuries, too. Why is this a positive thing? Fact is, eight All-Stars, a record, missed games, as LeBron pointed out. But it's interesting to me, also Zach Lowe talked about this, practice. Yes, Iverson style practice and playing games there might be some benefit to it look at the Bucks. nobody played a higher percentage of their games than the Milwaukee Bucks, and they're the healthiest team right now Charles Barkley said it the Bucs are going to win the championship new odds are out I mean they're they're not favored to win versus the field but they're plus 160 they are the new title favorites he said we might as well deal with it now because the Bucks are a very imperfect team. I think they might have a coaching issue even if they do walk away with the title. They might have a... Um a, a strategic issue. They might be a very flawed team that wins it this year because it's that kind of season. There is no perfect team. Nobody's even close right now.
0: No, look, there never is. I once saw Isaiah Thomas score 42 points on one leg in 1988 in game six against the Lakers. There's injuries. Uh, and Two things, McKenzie, you can respond to this. First of all, some injuries are random. Kyrie Irving coming down and turning his ankle on a on – a, on a, I forget whose foot it was now, but uh, Giannis <laughs> I remember that. It, it was he shouldn't Giannis have been I in guess. the
3: game. He shouldn't have been in the game. They they, they wouldn't call a foul on him that game. It was, it was a
0: Irrespective noticeable. of that, you know, that's yeah. a
3: random injury, right? So Yeah, it wasn't random that is, they didn't get a foul on him in that play though. He stepped right under him and it was weird, right? Anyway, go on. That that happened that happened that
0: happened that happened the night as well. I, I'm just saying <laughs> that that particular injury, I don't think no. you can you can draw a nexus between Agreed. the players. I mean, what, LeBron, if they'd have waited three more weeks to start the season, none of this would have happened? What are you, what are you trying to say other than to keep your name in the news? And, exactly. and guys like Anthony Davis, uh, McKenzie, they're just nicked up every year.
3: You know, some guys are just injury prone. Look at it this way. Look at the guys that tried to uh, manage as much as they possibly could. Some were forced to, like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. But guys like Anthony Davis, guys like LeBron, guys like James Harden, Kyrie Irving to an extent, Kawhi Leonard to an extent, they didn't play much in April and March. And then come May, they tried to ramp up to playoff intensity. I think there's a lot of uh, evidence, anecdotal and scientific, about it's it's there has to be a regular percentage of the time that you're playing, that you're getting those reps, even if it's just in practice.
0: You know, just a quick... Uh, non sequitur that I think underscores your point Super Bowl 41 the year that the New York Giants upset New England and ruined their chances to go uh 17-0-0 that year uh or check that 90 it would have been 19-0-0 Plaxico Burris who's on our own very network uh, on up on game every Saturday morning with LeVar Arrington uh and TJ, who's Masada? Look, here's the thing, Mackenzie. You remember when Tom Coughlin they played New England? The New York Giants played New England that final week of the season. Oh, yeah. They said, "Hey, we can, re- guys. We're we're a wild card team. We can't do anything to improve our playoff spot. Do we take a chance? Do we do we go after New England? Try to beat them? Man, they took New England to the pole." And to a man, that fired them up. They kept that momentum going through the playoff, and they ended up beating New England in the Super Bowl. Yes, they risked injury. Yes, conventional wisdom might have said rest. But when you thread the needle like that, sometimes it has the inverse
3: proportion effect. And I think to your point, that might be what's happening in the NBA. That's a very good point. It's also another indication that there is no, never in any sport, perfect team. But, Bernie, there's there's nobody that's even – you know, relatively good, you know, compared to usual Final Four teams. Like, I'm looking at the Clippers and the Suns. Both are going to be missing their best player tomorrow, most likely. Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, Chris Paul for the Suns. I have them rated about ninth ninth or tenth in the league, you know, on on an average year, plus two and a half on my power ratings, each of them. You know, that's actually interesting that I actually would have them rated the same, and the Suns are four-point favorites. That makes me like the Clippers on a simple power ratings math basis. Yes, so I, you know, I like the I like Clippers them as well. Right I,
0: that's more of a market line to me. Uh, but before we get to that game, we've got another game seven tomorrow. Philly laying seven. They're minus three hundred on the uh, money line. Atlanta forty six and thirty six against the number this year. Hard to believe Atlanta wins a game seven, but I don't know that I'm in a hurry to lay the seven.
3: Well, there's nobody bigger fans of the Atlanta Hawks than the Milwaukee Bucks right now. They're plus 160 to win the title right at this moment with Game game 7 looming. A very difficult Sixers matchup potentially looming. I predict this. If the Hawks somehow pull the upset and win Game 7, the Bucks will be a minus money favorite come Monday. It's that crucial for coach bud and their chances to advance and finally get that elusive ring only eight active coaches in the nba rick carlisle being one of them have a ring coach bud would love to be the number number nine 79 percent of teams
0: in the nba win their game seven if they are at home just got about 20 seconds
3: who do you like i think you already said so clippers phoenix tomorrow as well i like the clippers now here's the thing you could argue oh, wow, but the Clippers just had a, ma- a massive game six and game five, one as an underdog in both games. They're going to be tired. I don't think so. I think they stood around and-, and fired away threes. I think they're good. I think they're not that rested. I think they're in- right. enthused. They got a huge monkey off their back. I kind of like the Clippers tomorrow plus the four and on the money line. I'm with you. I think the Clippers have
0: momentum. They have depth. They're Voorveldt, coached by Ty Lu. And by the way, I think they've got a lot of confidence. Thanks to Aaron Torres for joining us tonight. It's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio for the Jason Martin Show.
6: Straight out of Vegas.